Hey everyone, welcome to Way of Life Podcast, where we firmly believe that everyone picks a way in life and what way you pick is extremely important and directly affects how you live. In this podcast, we seek to interview people from all around Australia and beyond on life's most important topics. Whether you're a Christian, a skeptic, or someone with a whole heap of questions, this podcast is for you. My name is Matt, a pastor living in Brisbane, Australia. This is Way of Life Podcast. Welcome everyone to another episode of Way of Life podcast. Um, before we get into tonight, uh, for those of you who have joined us for the first time or you're tuning in, uh, this isn't what we do every single week here at uh, Wynnum Baptist, which is where we host this. Uh, this is something we do uh, once a month just to wrestle with different topics. And that leads me into why we do this. Uh, at way of Life, we, we see that everyone picks a way of life. Everyone lives a way of life. And the way that you pick actually really matters. It affects how you live, how you think. The fundamental questions of life and how you answer them actually matter. Um, uh, so we, we um, invite different people to come around and uh, to wrestle with different topics, um, experts in their field or experienced people in their field. And, um, and we invite you to wrestle with it, to ask questions as well. So you'll notice as we go along that we're going to have some uh, uh, there'll be uh, sorry time after um, the main talk, which where we're going to have some Q and A. Um, so that's on a, a program, uh, a website called Slido. S-L-I-D-O. You'll see it come up on the screen anyway. Um, and so make sure you're getting your questions going through your head. You might want to put them up throughout the throughout the main talk. And the code, if you're after it right now, is six two nine. 088, I believe. 629-088, but it'll be coming up. But without further ado, I want to introduce our speaker, a close friend of mine um, and colleague, uh, Andrew Stoff. Let's uh, let's give him a clap, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Andrew, I've been bugging you to do this for a long time, so I, I, I appreciate that you caved. Um, how are you going? I'm okay. I've been, um, I've been watching this for a while now, and I thought I'm never, ever doing that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you bugged me enough, and, yeah. and I'm here. That's so, good. I just come back from a, um, from a trip to out west, Chinchilla. So, nice. Uh, literally just got here about three minutes ago. Oh, and, nice. Uh, <laughs> so just rocked up. Yeah, he was sending me updates of where he was and it was like looking at 529. I'm like, wow. <laughs> One minute early. Good work. Um, so, Andrew, just for those who are watching now or into the future, um, just want to see if you wanted to tell us a little bit about yourself currently and then we'll, uh, we'll dive into what you used to do before you came here. Okay. Well, my now uh, a pastor at the church here, uh, Wyndham Baptist, and uh, but before that, my wife and I, my family, were in Togo in West Africa, and uh, we we're missionaries there. So we we're there for about uh, ooh, nearly nearly ten years. Mm. Um, so yeah, Togo. For those who don't know, it's a tiny little country in West Africa, about the size of of Ghana, um, not of Ghana, of, um, of the Tasmania, that's it, Tasmania. <laughs> the one that we always forget about that's at the bottom. It, that's yep, it, yep. at the bottom there. <laughs> uh, Eight million people, so um, 
it's it still doesn't feel crowded, so it shows you just how spar how enormous Australia is really. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so we were there um, mainly focused on church planning. Yeah. So I wondered if you could uh, set the scene. So um, what was what was life like over there, and how did it differ um, to Australia? Okay. Um, <laughs> So I guess when we when we think of Africa, um, much of Africa isn't kind of like the pictures that we have in our heads of um, of thatched roofs and mud bricks. Um, but that that was uh, life in Togo. Mm. Uh, much of much of we actually lived in in a town, so we had uh, facilities and everything. Yeah. Uh, but where we worked most of the time, it was thatched roofs, mud brick. Um, very subsistence farming. Yep. Um, uh, kids died early of, of malaria and, and all sorts of uh, different diseases and yep. uh, hard life. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to question that in a second, but why, why did you... I want to know, like, why Togo, Africa? Like, I, before meeting you, I didn't even know it was a place. Yeah. Um, no so one does what, Yeah. <laughs> where, like, why, why Togo? How did you even find out about it? How did you know? These are a lot of questions, but how did you know you were going to go there? Like, why Togo? Well, um, so Julia and I... Uh, I it's been a while since I've had. It was right in my early childhood that I, I must have listened to missionaries come to, to church and, um, and probably read books about missionaries. So I always had a heart for missions. Mm. Um, something that resonated with, with me when I heard those stories. And had a heart for Africa. I don't know whether it was just a bit exotic or that's where <laughs> you hear missionaries come from. Yeah. Um, but uh, always, always wanted to go there. And as that kind of developed, uh, I met Julia when I was 15 and I remember talking about it with her yeah. uh, on a camp when, we, when I first met her. And she also had the, the same type of thoughts as well. It was love at first sight. That's it, that's yep. it. Uh, found her. <laughs> uh, and then we, um, when, we, when we started looking a bit more deeper, I was looking for somewhere particularly uh, with a people group that were unreached and mm. uh, that not many people were going to. So Togo fit that bill. Yep. Not many people know about it. Lots of language barriers. And I was particularly interested in animistic people groups. Uh, what's, what are animistic okay. people groups? Yeah. Uh, so animistic people groups is, is basically a, a way of viewing the world in that uh, spiritual forces and powers uh, animate and in inhabit all of life. So... Um, mm. Uh, don't really separate the physical uh, from the from the supernatural. It's it's uh, all kind of intertwined. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Sorry. In, in relation to the way they see um, the spiritual realm, they most animists will see that there is a supreme creator God, hmm. um, but somehow in the distance past, they'll normally have some type of story that uh, articulates this that there was a, a, um, a separation between uh, man and that, that supreme um, being, created God. Yep. Uh, some, some give stories for how that happened, uh, but most of them know that something happened and yeah. now uh, they need to interact with lesser gods in order to be protected and uh, to, to have some control over their, their environment. That's fascinating. Did you find just a little offshoot? We won't stay here for long, but yeah. did you find that there were um, kind of reasonable any overlap with like the Bible in those kind of stories? Uh, basically, um, so 
in the area that I worked mainly, uh, the Supreme God was known as Esso. Yep. And um, I was able to call the Father God Esso because there was, there was so much um, foundational truth that was already there wow. in their culture um, that I just have to get some framing and that uh, Jesus came to reveal who Esso was and also to uh, bridge that gap. Wow. And to restore the relationship. So That's fascinating. Fertile soil. Sorry? Fertile soil. Fertile soil. So did they ever hear anything about like God, Jesus in the past that you're aware of in that kind of area? Uh, We came across people who... uh, who could maybe be described as God-fearers. There was something... um, uh, A number of people had already had a... um, a vision or a dream about Jesus before we actually came there. Wow. So I know yeah. you've got a really cool story that you're going to share about something about that. So put us back on, on the, on the highway per se. Um, what, what did you actually do over there once you got there? Um, and maybe you want to tell us just a little bit of your story leading up to it, like between the, when you were 15 and when you actually got there. Yeah. So, uh, we're 15. Um, so met Julia there, I got married to her after school, uh, always had a heart for missions, but we just we didn't feel like it was quite the right time, so we went and got, um, uh, got educated, got a job, uh, did all those things. Mm. Kind of kept that fire going by going to uh, different mission conferences and uh, always uh, chewing the ear off different missionaries that we knew. <laughs> and uh, there was one time, I remember I was at school, um, I was in the classroom and I'd written down that it was time to start looking into it and went home and uh, went and told Julia that. Yeah. And she actually brought out her diary from that day and she'd written down exactly the same thing. So, wow. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we started started looking into where we'd go and yep. we did a, a survey trip. Uh, so that's a, a trip to to really see what's what's happening. Uh, and we went through uh, Ghana, Nigeria, Benin. Benin is where voodoo started. And uh, we thought we might be going there first of all, and then yeah. Nigeria as well. Wow. Um, so, and we, we just felt uh, that God, well, we actually got stuck in Togo because we, they wouldn't let us stay in Benin. All right. um, <laughs> but we, we felt like God was saying yes um, to that. And, we, we met a team there that was involved in church planting mm. and uh, went, and, went and joined them. That's so cool. Mm. So what did you do once you got there? What was kind of your, your main mission kind of going into it and did that change at all? I guess mm. is my question. Uh, so so my, my real, real passion was to see um, people who didn't know Jesus come, come to know him. And, uh, and, and I thought the best way to do that was through church planting. Yeah. So, um, it was hard going. We uh, had to learn a totally different culture and a way of communicating and um, 42 different languages in Togo. So, just a few. Yeah, yep. just a few. <laughs> uh, was there a predominant one that you could kind of use with most people or did it actually change no, significantly? Oh, uh, well, we used French. Yep. Um, but yep. a lot of people didn't speak French yep. and it wasn't their heart language. So. And you had to learn that? Yeah, we learned French, did a year in, uh, in France. That was amazing. No kids in France, <laughs> French Alps. So. Lots of cheese. Yeah. And Pick a Francophone yep. Afri- uh, African country to go to and then you get to live for, in France for a year. Uh, <laughs> fantastic. Sounds great. And so we, um, we saw about three churches planted in the first five years. Wow. Um, 
so um, yeah, so that was that was going good, but it was it was it was hard going, yeah. uh, especially when there was oh, uh, th- three churches in the midst of just yeah, lots and lots and lots of people that needed to know Jesus. So yeah, slow okay. going. Like mm. how many? Like could you give us a rough estimate of what that would be? How many people kind of in Togo? Uh, Eight million people in Togo. Yep. Um, there's, there's quite a lot of Christians there, but where we were working, um, there were there were very few Christians in mm. um, some people groups. had had very very few handful. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you planted a, a few churches within the first five years. Yeah. How did you? I know like uh, there's different philosophies when it comes to how you do mission and things like that. Uh, where you. Uh, did anything kind of change along that? I know you've told me stories of how something really quite changed yeah. and how you did it. So did something, uh, how did, did you originally do it and then what changed yeah. and how did you do it from there? So I, we basically, um, we looked for some uh, nationals, so some Togolese people who were uh, already doing church planting and, and we partnered with them. Mm. And uh, that went really well. We We went and... Uh, basically, we took people through the story right from Genesis uh, through to Christ, and uh, and we um, did something called a discovery Bible study, where yeah. you just ask some simple questions: What do you learn about God? What do you learn about people? And how do we put this um, into into practice? How do yep. we obey? Um, but it was there, there was a certain event that happened uh, that really changed everything for me, and that was. Uh, we went into an area. It was probably it was probably about three hours away from where we lived. So absolutely in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> uh, like white guys don't go um, there ever. Yeah, right. Uh, so all the kids come running out and either point at you or run away. Thinking Why that were you're you a there spirit. in the first place? Uh, mm, if you remember, um, I had motorbikes oh, okay. and we loved to explore. Okay. So, um, <laughs> For three hours. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So and I, I love to go out to. I would look on Google and look at cool areas uh, that I thought would be cool to explore yep. and little villages so we'd, we'd just go out and, and see what was out there. And I, there, was, there was one particular village, village there was a guy named uh, Alazar there and we came down his, his road and uh, as we came, well it wasn't really a road, it was more of a um, little, little path thing and <laughs> came up to his uh, to his. Um, group of huts they kind of have a group of huts uh, one hut for each wife and um, a hut for the kids and then a hut for storage yeah kind of all joined together Um, and he was he was coming out towards us with his wife and she just she dropped to the floor and just kind of started yelling and and crying and and waving her hands up in the air We, we had no idea what was going on yeah and later we find out that Elazar had actually been um, uh, had a dream of uh, Jesus appearing to him. Uh, he was putting a, a death curse on some people who um, ripped him off, basically, and, and Jesus told him not to do it, mm. uh, to follow him, and that he would send uh, two white people and one Togolese uh, to speak to them mm. and to teach him about, about Jesus. And... His wife basically thought um, he was he was nuts uh, because <laughs> she's like white people never ever come out here. Because he was having these dreams for a while, wasn't he? Three years. Three years. Yeah, reoccurring wow. for three years, and um, so she yeah, and and she was just 
um, I think she was probably glad that her, her husband wasn't nuts. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so that was the um, that was the kind of the catalyst. Then we uh, we we started visiting him and, and starting teaching him, and a, and a little church formed out there. One day I was on my motorbike and, and I was heading home and another guy kind of ran out on the path and he, he tried to stop me and uh, he, he waved me down and I stopped and he said, oh, you've got to come to come and tell us about this Jesus as well that you've been telling Elazar about. And I said, yeah, yeah, no, no problems, we'll, we'll do that. And I was, I was heading back home after that and I just realised that really um, I, I wasn't going to be able to get out to him for... Uh, for for a long time because we, yeah, well. we were in so many places already. Yeah, and I passed by just village after village after village, and something just broke in me because mm. I realised how how slow um, and how many people needed to know Jesus. And um, I remember um, we were crying um, and and, and kind of ugly crying in my helmet and uh, just asking God that he would send harvesters into, mm. the, into the harvest field. Yeah. And I felt like God just said, um, you need to train those harvesters. Um, so we, we completely changed what we did. Yep. Uh, we, we looked at, at finding existing Christians uh, from other people groups or those small amount of Christians who were already Christians. Yep. And we started a, a training program um, specifically for, it wasn't a Bible college, um, it was specifically to train people in making disciples mm-hmm. and then uh, uh, grouping those disciples together in churches. Yeah, and, wow. Yeah. How, um, how many people did you start getting to, to that? Like how, what, what kind of formed out of that? So our first, uh, our first group, there was about 20, 20 students Mm-hmm. Uh, they stayed with us for they we um, we met together once a month for about three days, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I um, spent spent many 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 hours and, and days. We slept out there together um, in the, in the middle of nowhere, and uh, well, I learned to learned to love those guys. And uh, each one of them, uh, they had to get to the next stage of the training, they had to at least plant one church. And uh, many of those first original 20 guys are actually the leaders of, um, of many, many groups of churches yeah, now. Wow. So just talking to Chao, um, that's the, the person who I, I uh, left the school in his hands. Yeah. He was saying that there's, there's probably been about 300 or 400 students that have come through the school now. Wow. Yeah. That's so fantastic. That's mm. really, really cool. And how many just now, um, not that it's... I'm cautious about like kind of going, yeah, there was success and all this kind of thing and, and like all glory to God and things like that. But like what did what did God do over there um, in terms of like how many churches, like little church plants? Because what I'm assuming a church doesn't look like this type of thing. It's kind of more, is it like a house church? Like could you explain what they looked like? Yeah. Probably a better question. Um, so we would, we would describe a church is that once it has some, some type of functioning leadership um, and... Uh, we actually don't class, uh, this is the way they define it now, is that they don't class a church as a church until they've planted another smaller group. Yeah. Um, so That's cool. Basically, until they've, they've planted another group, yeah. they don't actually class it as a church yet. Uh, yeah. uh, the idea is basically to get the idea that, that we are a multiplying um, uh, people. Yeah, okay. And uh, So, yeah, there would be... Um, 
a church could be anywhere from uh, some churches only have or 20 or 30 people mm-hmm. um, some a couple of hundred yeah wow okay yeah and um, this is a bit of a random one but I, I part of what I want to kind of go into a little bit of is kind of the I guess the spiritual climate the difference between over there mm-hmm. and here and I don't want to make it a scary thing but more to kind of help us think about this and kind of go what is there something we're missing out on here is there something we're oblivious to that type of thing but you mentioned it before in the Elaza story um, about a death curse um, I don't think most people I don't know what that is so mm. but um, I wondered if you might be able to tell us what that is and okay. kind of some of the I guess the spiritual yeah. stuff you might have seen hmm. um, so this is where it does get a bit weird um, so <laughs> Uh, I think we we see that um, a battle is not against flesh and blood, and the, the scriptures tell us that very very clearly. <clears throat> and I think that's true here, but it's much more overt in Togo, and um, they they solicit that, uh, mm. so they solicit um, interactions with the with the spiritual beings. Um, so uh, with Lazar, he. Um, there was actually some some people that wrongfully accused him of uh, something, and he was put in jail for three months. Mm. Um, when he got out of jail, he um, so there's there's different curses you can do, and there's certain procedures that you go through uh, to be able to do that. Mm. And he uh, he tried it on some some cattle at, at first, and uh, all those cattle died, wow. and uh, he then. Um, got up the, uh, the, the night later uh, yep. to do that as well. And that's when, um, uh, before he got up, Jesus appeared to him in a dream and, and said not to do that. So um, yeah, it's, a, it's a very overtly spiritual place. Yeah. And um, uh, there's yeah, some real spiritual power both in... Um, yeah. yeah, so would you see... Um stuff like that happen quite often like i guess a death curse or that type of side of things um yeah so we, we would see if that's uh, a okay question answer. yeah no yeah, that's yeah. that's fine yeah um uh, uh, many people uh, are, are possessed in some way by by demons uh, wow. or demonized uh, they're they're often given to a, a demon at birth um often a witch doctor will uh, heal them in some way, uh, but that will mean that they will have an attachment uh, to a to a demonic entity. Wow! Um, uh, that will cause sickness in them, yep. um, torment them. Uh, they, uh, for protection, uh, they will. Uh, they actually call it. Uh, they 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 buy the spirit in some way. Really? Um, so they go to a witch doctor or another another area where they can uh, kind of make an allegiance with that spirit. Uh, so, uh, especially in, there's, there's one strain of churches at the moment um, that almost everybody who's come to Christ has come to Christ and they've either seen a deliverance from a spirit or a, um, or a healing of their body. It's, uh, wow. it's quite, um, quite, quite prevalent in this, this particular area. It's actually the area where... Um, I asked God uh, that He would raise harvesters up. There's a, really? a, a bit of a, a revival going on there at the moment, which is yeah. which is exciting. Could you speak into that maybe a little bit? Is that the Tam Burma region no, that a, you've talked about one. before? Yeah. Oh no, cool. Yeah, uh, there's, there's a few. Um, <laughs> so there's different streams of 
it's, it's, um, I call them streams of churches. Um, so they have different flavours. Um, so the, the one in the area where I, I met that guy in the middle of nowhere um, and then was, um, was asking for God to send harvesters into that area. Uh, that particular area is, is led by a, a guy named Lazar and uh, he's a, a man of, of extraordinary faith mm. and, um, and has just seen some, some amazing gifts of healing and wow. uh, healing of land, healing of people, um, healing of uh, factions that, that used to be uh, between people groups. And wow. so... All of those, all of those churches have that characteristic. In, in that, most of the people have had um, some type of encounter like that—a power encounter. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, another area is the Tamburma. Um, if you look that up, it's um, there. It's a World Heritage site. It's uh, they've got um, they're, these, they're these really cool mud brick houses, and they're actually two story. Um, they used to defend from. They're, they're great. Um, <laughs> they're really dark as you go in there, and they've got all these these places where they'll hide with arrows, and oh, um, <laughs> they would heat oil and actually pour it through a hole and pour Gosh. it over you. Um, it, it, they're not Sounds in tribal really warfare cool. at the moment, really nice. <laughs> but they're like little fortresses. Yeah. Um, and that area, it it's had the Bible translated for about forty, ooh, nearly forty years, I believe. Um, but there were very, very few Christians in that area. Uh, the only Christians were from, from different people groups and just a few Tamburma. And our, our students were actually, uh, when they got around the, the end of their uh, two years of, of um, training, they felt like God was saying that they were to, to, to reach that area. Mm. Uh, so they, they they gathered together and started to pray for this region. And there was something something like an... Acts 2 or Acts 4 moment where the Holy Spirit was um, poured out upon them and uh, they went out in, in, in great boldness and, and in power. And now there's a, there's a road that runs right through the, it's a yeah, dirt road, um, yep. but right through the Tamburma region. And uh, there used to be very, very, very few churches with non-Tamburma people in them. But now there's, there's churches all along that road wow. out of that movement that, that happened there. That's fantastic. There. And was that all Togolese people or was there other missionaries from like around all Togolese, all Togolese people yeah. wow yeah that's fantastic it actually works best once we're out of there um, yeah I was going to ask that like did you find basically it was an, it was an equipping of the people in in that area that that worked best obviously yeah definitely we went back um with a team and uh from from our church and went back there and I went to some of the um I think it was a third or fourth generation church, so from the the one that I knew about first of all, mm. and they had they had absolutely no idea who I was, um, and that was that was an absolute delight yeah. um, to be in that church, knew where it had started, yeah, and and um, and yeah, I, it was it was great to for them to have no idea who I was. That's really cool. Mm. That's really cool. Um, curious. So you were talking about that kind of revival stream and. Uh, even like the healings of the land and, and things like that. Kind of uh, wouldn't mind hearing just some of your cool stories of some of the cool things that God did and, and yeah. you saw because, I don't know, I've never heard someone say the healing of a land before or yeah. well, not very often. And um, I know that, uh, I guess, 
you said it before that people were like possessed by something at, at some point and yep. kind of some of your experiences there as well would be awesome. Yeah. Um, so lots of the area in Togo, the soil is, is really, really poor and it's um, difficult to grow crops. Um, they have corn and sorghum um, and it just strips the... Uh, they actually do cotton as well and that absolutely strips the soil of, of nutrients. Yeah, so right. it gets difficult and... Uh, what what they'll actually this was this was new to me actually I I um, Dara and Chao would would pray for this every time they'd go in, uh, but once someone would become a Christian they would pray not only for them um, but for their uh, their work and yeah. over their land as well, and uh, saw God miraculously um, just restore the health of the land. Wow! Um, when the yeah, when the when the owner came to came to believe in Christ, yeah. Um, so that it was, uh, it's amazing as we some of the church leaders because um, you get ostracised when you when you become a Christian over there often. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, but it was it was just neat. Like they would they would plant their crop, and uh, it would be well above your head, and everybody else's would be this high. Really. And uh, <laughs> and yeah, it was just a testimony to to God's grace and favour upon them. Yeah, okay. Yep. Um, what other kind of miracles, I guess, did you see? I'm not trying to harp on it as if it's this is a weird thing that we want to hear, but I'm just, like, full context for whoever's listening, like, I, I see Andrew quite a lot, and sometimes he'll just kind of casually tell some stories from his time in Togo, and I'm like, what? That happened? <laughs> and I'm like, really? And then, which is why I've been bugging you to come on so much. Um, but, like, uh, I guess, okay, I'll, I'll frame it with a question. Um, so... You grew up kind of around the Bayside area, um, quite a reformed type theology for quite a long time, fairly mm. conservative. Like, uh, as far as I know, you didn't really think that there was kind of, uh, I guess, gifts of the spirit and like so much like healings and things like mm. that. Um, how did you deal with that once you got to Togo? <laughs> so I had a, um, I had a, a not great experience with some... Um, uh, went to a conference, a Pentecostal conference, and um, a charismatic uh, church conference, and there was some stuff there that that just didn't didn't sit with me very well. Yeah. And uh, uh, as there can be some excesses in in different movements at times, um, and and I just I went to the to the point where um, basically I believe that uh, all of the the more miraculous gifts had had come to an end, um, and. Had um, had lots of biblical evidence for that, as as I thought, and so that was interesting. I went to Togo with that mindset, um, and that kind of got got blown up pretty quickly, um, <laughs> and and basically because I, I started to um, see God just just do amazing things, uh, yeah, heal people of of boils. Um, there's people with uh, what happens there if you break your limb. Uh, Often they don't set it properly, so you, you're kept with a limp. Um, yeah, right. Saw them, um, those things restored. Um, wow. Uh, infertility, um, we saw that often. Um, yeah, lo- lots of lots of different different things. Yeah. Uh, that we saw God do. Um, hmm. Lots of people as they were, as they've been baptized. Um, there would be um, something spiritual uh, going on, uh, yep. some some oppression that would um, uh, that would be be dealt with mm. then as well. Yeah. 
so, so that was it. Kind of, like, yeah, that, that was actually really hard. Actually, the the really hard part for me was uh, when it affected me, and that was. Um, so I had a, a number of of people um, speak some pretty pretty clear prophecies, and I, I had to. Uh, re, like rethink. bad ones or no good ones, oh, good, good ones. Sorry, yeah, Christians um, <laughs> that were speaking very clearly into the into the moment um, yeah. with with stuff they couldn't know. Yeah, um, and then I was um, I was I was open at that stage to to at least um, miracles in the sense of healings and stuff like mm. that, and, yeah. and, kind of, and that kind of happens in Africa. Mm, yeah. um, and then I, I was I was on my motorbike again. I spent a lot of time on the motorbike and uh, I was going through an area and uh, just just praying over the, the different villages mm. um, and was just really moved, um, I think, my, by the heart of God for, for those people group. Yeah. And, um, um, yeah, kind of kind of didn't have the words to, to, to say and, and mm. um, God actually started... Um, started to speak in, in a language that I didn't recognise, and, and yeah, right. came to know that as as, yeah, as tongues, and um, that has been a part of my journey, wow. um, Christian journey ever since. Yeah, um, cool. So yeah, that that um, that view got um, pretty broken up, <laughs> blown out the water a little um, bit. It took me a while actually to to re um, because my experiences weren't lining up with my theology. Uh, and it took me a while to, to find uh, a source that could kind of help me work through that. Yeah. And um, a book by Jack Deere, um, can't remember what it's called now. Um, surprised by, no, I can't remember. Surprised by it's something. Though. If you look up Jack Deere, yeah. it's one of okay. his books. Yeah. And a guy called Sam Storms oh, um, yeah. really He's helped cool. me unpack yeah. um, a lot of that. And yep. And uh, see that the the Bible does absolutely talk about um, the gifts of the Spirit and that they're continuing and, and continuing yeah. to this day. Yeah. yeah, that's really interesting. How did you find? I'm curious. With um, how did you find coming from that and probably being brought up here in Australia? How did you find uh, any kind of encounter with the demonic? I guess or people that were oppressed, as you said before mm. like did you find that like i probably would be like whoa that's that's full on like mm. how did how did you go with that like what was your experience with that yeah strangely I, i've had quite a lot to do with that um before i actually went with togo oh, right. um i'm not sure why that was um and, but uh yeah so um yeah so we, we've we've had a a, a a bit to do with that so it wasn't surprising as such that particular area of things it was just much more overt um yeah. it's very camouflaged here very in the background yeah um only comes to the surface overtly very very rarely yeah um but over there it's uh, in your face all the time all the time um and yeah. yeah 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 okay did you think that played into i guess that side of life being quite normal or integrated as you said before um did you think that played into how people came to know jesus like was there a sense in which and it might sound funny but they kind of clearly saw that um like that jesus this god was was more powerful yeah. or something like that so animism is extremely pragmatic um so you do what works you basically yeah. worship or make a pact it's not so much worshiping but making a pact to appease a spirit that actually 
helps you mm. um, in some way. But the way I used to, and they didn't quite understand this, but I used to tell them uh, what the spirits would do over there. You'd make a pact with them and they would give you, I, I'd, I'd actually say this to them, I'd say, is this, is this your experience? Is that they give you so much and then with their other hand they come back and they steal so much more from you. Mm. Um, so that was the basic experience, is that um, these spirits are they're, they're powerful. Yep. Um, they can influence the physical realm. Yeah, wow. Um, and, yeah, but that that's... Um, I've forgotten your question. Now. No, it was like, how did that... Um, they obviously saw that God was kind of... Like, what was the difference between them following those things and, mm. and following God? Why okay. was it such a clear, like, I need to go here? So I think I think they did... Um, they, they saw a power encounter um, yeah. in, in those healings. Um, and it was... It was as well saying, basically... Um, you, you don't have to deal with these lesser gods anymore. Mm. Um, that uh, that that Eso or the or the the Creator God has actually sent Jesus um, so that you can have access yeah. with Him uh, and to reveal who He's like. So um, you kind of bypass these um, l- lesser gods that are that yeah. are messing you up, basically, That's and really cool. um, have access to to um, to God. One of the um, that, that was quite, uh, so, so what would happen is if something went, if you had a sickness or uh, if your crop failed, they would just simply, um, they'd make a sacrifice to that God and in a sense say, thank you for your service. They'd, they'd do that through a, um, through a witch doctor normally. There was yeah, right. rituals and processes to go through to, to leave a spirit yeah. and they'd go find another spirit um, from somewhere else and bring them back. Interesting. So they would... Uh, they would bring that back in so they would buy or they would do a ritual and there would be something physical that would give that per, that spirit permission um, to be over that household. Wow. Um, and uh, so, so that was, especially when persecution came upon Christians, um, mm. that was quite a concern for me because that's what you do. If, if yeah. something doesn't you work, it. you leave it. Yeah. Um, but time and time again, uh, these, these people would especially... There's a, a witch doctor named Komla, and um, he came to Christ in, in quite a miraculous way. And he had um, some really terrible stuff happen to him, some really terrible persecution. Wow. Um, wife kidnapped and kids uh, hurt quite badly and, and animals destroyed and house burnt. and um, And... I'd go back worried about him all the time and mm. uh, he would say, where else can I go, basically. Wow. Um, so there's, there's something of a, uh, a retaining nature of, of the Holy Spirit um, yeah. that, that does something, something deeper than just the pragmatic, yeah. uh, what can you do for me? So it bypasses that which they have been so used to. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. That's interesting. How was it? I, I want to move on to something in a minute, but my side little side question was, how did you even go about talking to a witch doctor about Jesus? Um, okay, yeah, we, we were just sitting... So, okay. Uh, um, so, he's actually gone on to plant a number of churches. And, really? Um, wow. So... That is so cool. That's I, I had an accident <laughs> in Africa, um, a pretty, pretty bad accident, got flown out to... Um, Germany spent a number of months in hospital there, mm. kind of putting myself back to, or they put me back together, and um, 
So it, it actually happened in a village. Um, it was known as uh, um, the the Valley of Death. There was a, a, a spirit Sounds of like death a lovely place. over that. Yes. Um, so I had, I had my accident in there, and I we we'd just been invited into that village to by the chief to speak to them about Jesus. And the day I went to meet the chief, I had the accident there. And I was like, great. Um, For context, you've told me in the past that basically if people also, if they have an accident or they get hurt, basically nobody wants to take it like um, any kind of... Um, no, no, yeah. No responsibility for it. It's just like, no, I'm not going to take you to the, the hospital or anything. I hit a cow once, um, doing about 80k on my bike and hit a cow, <laughs> hit it straight in the head. Um, and I came off my bike and I was laying on my back and... Looking around, and there was there was a couple of guys that just ran, and uh, a lady, and she just ran, and I was just lying on my back looking around. Um, so I was able to get up and go, but if, if I wasn't, I, yeah. yeah, I wouldn't have been helped. Yeah, but it's not their fault. It's if they take me to the hospital, they get in trouble. Um, they have to pay for it. As they'll well, be don't made they? to pay for it. They'll That's be accused for doing it. So it's gosh. pretty messed up. So yeah, you were going through this valley of, yes, of death yeah, as valley well. Of death, yep. um, that you just got invited to go there, and you had your had your accident. So I had an accident there, um, and it was to this village that we actually came back um, to. Yeah. And we started a, a, a little little church there, uh, and it was mostly just women and children. And I remember saying to the guys, uh, to my teammates, I was like, "Now nah, we got to we got to move. Like this is." <laughs> I'm done. Yeah, um, okay. like they, they were amazed that I was still alive. They saw that as a victory of our, of of the God that I was representing. Yeah. Um, but I was like, there's there's so many places we've got to go. This is um, we'll try and integrate them into something in town or something like yep, that. Yep. Um, and and what happened there was uh, as I I was actually praying and I was thanking God um, that He gave us so clear direction and. Um, and God, I, ju- I didn't say it audibly, um, but I just felt him say, like, no, nah, you didn't, didn't consult me on this one. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, I was kind of saying, thank you for giving us direction, but hadn't actually consulted him. And uh, that just, that, that really broke us as a team, and we, mm. we um, really repented of that, and we went back to that area, mm-hmm. and I thought it was going to be a big revival then, like God calls, not revival, but things Something really happened. Happen. Yep. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then there was hardly any women and, and, and just a few and a few again. And on the third week, we were sitting down there and the, uh, everyone just started to scatter. Like, and I was just left there with Dare, my other <laughs> what team. What happened? I'm not, in, I'm not injured. There. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and the witch doctor was actually coming down and he came and sat with us. And, and we just kind of sat there and we chatted for a little while. And Dare, who's my Togolese teammate, he just went, you're an enemy of God. And uh, you need to repent. I'm like, oh my, that's not the best evangelism <laughs> strategy. And uh, he go, he just said, I know, and uh, wow. gave his life to to Jesus, and um, went back to his his wife, and she had um, uh, tummy pain issues that would render her um, pretty crippled during the during the day, mm. and prayed for her, and she got healed. Um, and then a church started really, really quickly as the witch doctor came to Christ and then everyone kind of came in. And yep. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What a story. Mm. I love it how your Togolese friend's just like, you need to repent. And he's like, yep, yeah. all right, I do. <laughs> he's like, well, okay. <laughs> I would imagine that would have been a bit more mm. of a wrestle than that. Um, so it took him a while to, to get rid of like, a, 
they they make all sorts of different packs and sacrifices with different um, spiritual entities, and, mm. and they bury it all under their house. Um, wow. And we just learnt to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal that stuff to them, mm. and um, they would come to us every so often and say, oh, "I've got I've got stuff under my house," and yep. would um, yeah get rid of that and yep. Yep. pray into that. That's mm. really cool. I want to switch a little bit. So I've got a quote from C.S. Lewis just to kind of frame this a little. It's, um, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall uh, about the devils or the enemy. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialistic or a a magician uh, with the same delight. So, it appears in my mind, uh, in hearing some of the stuff and experiencing some of the things that you have, you don't want to kind of go, every, there's, a, there's a spiritual thing under every rock, I'm going to look for the spiritual in every single thing, and, um, but you don't want to, I, I feel like one of the biggest things that uh, I find when I hear these stories, and which is why I'm like, what, is that you just don't see it, or you don't really hear about this kind of stuff, so it's like that, and I wonder... And I wondered if you wanted to speak into it a little bit, but I wonder if there's more kind of going on that we we might not see. And Mm. one of the greatest kind of uh, uh, successes of the enemy is that we don't even think he's there Mm. or that Mm. we're not even aware of him. So how do you, I guess one of my starting questions would be, how do you reconcile what you've seen over here and and life life in Australia? Mm. Um. So the uh, to the best of your ability. Yeah, I'm not yeah, saying so you know all the answers. <laughs> so the the enemy is very very overt over there, and the way he works, um, often very very forward. Um, and it, uh, but over here, I think it's uh, it doesn't make sense to me that uh, the enemy wouldn't be working because it's actually an incredibly strategic place to work, uh, a place that is sending um, huge amounts of missionaries around the world, huge amounts mm. of um, uh, biblical content and. Uh, Jesus said quite clearly that our, our mission is to make disciples yep. and uh, of all the nations and, and the Western world has been um, quite a, a proponent of that and, and sent many missionaries into all different corners of the world. Yeah. So it makes sense to me that, that uh, the activity would be quite in, intense here actually even if we don't see it. Um, I think it may be on a, on a, a more strategic um, mm. It's probably more strategic for it to be a bit more unseen here. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, the whole world system is is um, really enveloped in yeah. in the God of this world as well. Yeah. Um, I think it probably has has a lot to do in uh, <coughs> um, in 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 everyday stuff of life as well. Mm. Um, and and and. It messes around there, uh, but it can be be difficult to identify. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, how would you go about not kind of doing the two opposites of what C.S. Lewis was saying, mm. where you actually <coughs> don't just kind of go, okay, that's the spiritual battle. We need to pray it out, or like maybe they just made a bad choice, or yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, how do you how have you found over here um, to kind of level up to mm. in your own experience? So some lessons that I that I actually learned in Togo. Um, we would go into different places and would have thoughts come into our heads. Mm. Um, I'd have thoughts come into my heads and they were, they were not, not great thoughts. 
um, not thoughts that kind of align with, with Jesus's ways. Um, yeah. And uh, there was a, there, we, in my team, uh, there's four of us and we, we got very close. We, we spent probably 10 hours a day with each other, um, five, six hours, five, six days a week. So wow. um, we're a, a bit of a brand of, band of brothers that uh, did everything together. Yeah. So um, we actually got used to saying, hey, this, this is coming into my head just to, just to um, so it has, would have no power over us, but also uh, just to see what was going on. And we'll say, yeah. it'd be something pretty, pretty specific, um, but pretty mm. intrusive and would say, um, I don't know what's going on here, but this is, this is coming in, into my head. And yeah. um, often one of, the, one of my other teammates would say, hey, that's, that's exactly what was in my head as, as well. Yeah, wow. Um, so we started to identify um, that the, the enemy, enemy works in that way. Um, I think he, he, he works in that way to some it's extent. It's kind of like ideas or yeah. thoughts as well. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it can feel intrusive. Yeah. Um, where you kind of go, oh, where did that come from? Yeah. Um, also, I think manipulates our... Uh, um, when, we, when we have thoughts that aren't in alignment with him... Mm. Um, Kind of gives. Um, it, it's why it tells us to, to get um, take our thoughts captive. Yeah. Um, because it gives the enemy an opportunity to kind of uh, keep speaking lies and keep um, uh, mixing with those things. Yeah. Um, but because of the difficulty of discerning what's actually going on, and uh, sometimes I don't, I don't think it's even necessary uh, to, to to know what's going on there. Whether there's um, Kind of some spiritual entity influencing you or, or not. Um, I um, in James, I think it's four seven. Uh, it says, "Submit yourself to God, and um, resist the devil, and he will flee from you." Mm. And uh, I think that's a, a really important concept. Is that what it, submitting is? Is the idea of coming under, mm. and um, coming under God is, is to come under His His ways and His will and His protection as well. And whenever we, whenever we do something which is uh, not in alignment with Jesus and who He is, mm. we're actually aligning ourselves or coming under the Prince of this world, mm. and um, that that in, in gives gives somewhat of um, permission in a sense because we're yeah. we're aligning with that. And he tells us to resist <clears throat> the enemy and he'll flee from, from you. So yeah. often what I say is if, if you notice something in you, and I've spoken about this before, but if you, if you notice something going on in you or in your mind or uh, in your thoughts or in, in your, your actions that you know is not in alignment with Jesus, um, that principle of resisting, of coming back under, um, submitting to God, coming back under his authority and under yeah. his way. So resist both the... I say I'm resisting anything uh, inside of me. So, so we have a uh, a, a bent for yeah, sure. for um, for destruction and for, and for messing stuff up as well inside yep. us. Um, but we also have an enemy that that works against us. So I say resist anything inside of me or outside mm. of me that's pulling me out of alignment with you. Yeah. And um, and. Um, yeah, so, so that's... Yeah, so it's kind of more of a... I mean, it reminds me... 
um, I've been reading a book by John Mark Comer, his new one called Live No Lies, and he, he just basically makes the premise of kind of what you've been saying, is that often the, the kind of biggest thing that we see in the Bible that the enemy does is that he feeds you a lie mm. and then you believe it is truth. Yeah. Um, so you almost, in my mind, and then that kind of sends you on this rabbit trail of, of, of believing other lies or finding half-truths. It might sound mm. appealing, that type of thing. So... Um, and it will create its own destruction and you'll let things kind of happen in that way. But do you think there's obviously then, particularly I see it in a, in a, in a society that is fairly well, I guess you could say post-truth or something like that, where you can live your own truth, you can do kind of believe mostly whatever you want, um, you can uh, believe whatever idea you want. Is there uh, a need then, uh, particularly as, as Christians, but for anyone to really know core absolute truth like to actually be able to identify the the truth uh that is jesus mm. do you, do you mm. think that oh, kind of is lining up a little bit with what you're saying is, yeah truth is is absolutely key yeah um and i i think it's um it's aligning ourselves with 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 both truth but also truth in in what god tells us how to live in, yeah. in the ways to live as well so um just making sure that we're, we're not living in a way that mm. um that would be in, in alignment with the, the ways of um, of of the enemy. Yeah. Um, so in Togo, what when when people were um, influenced by by the enemy, um, or oppressed, or demonized, or whatever you whatever mm. you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, often it would be because of some type of um, of ritual that they entered into. Um, it was sometimes they were given to a spirit at birth. Uh, so some, there's, there's, there's things of the will and then there's things uh, not of the will, ex- mm. especially in Togo. Um, and found that you had to actually deal with them differently. Yeah. So if it was of their volition, um, it was actually important that they repented from that yeah. um, in order to, to deal with that spirit. But there was some kind of, I guess, inherited, I guess you could say, something that they just had from Family the very spirits, get-go. Yeah. Do you think that at all, um, random question, but do you think that applies here? Possibly. Yeah? Yeah. Do you think the things that we willfully kind of go, I'm going to follow that, I'm going to think that, I'm going to do this, that we kind of need to repent from, like you say, but there's underlying things that we kind of uh, hmm. inherited, I guess? Um, anger, anger, bitterness. Yeah. Lust. Yeah. It all puts us out of alignment with out out from under. Yeah. We still belong to Jesus if we're a Christian. Yeah. Um but if we, we act in a way that is out of alignment with him, mm. we leave ourselves open. Yeah. No, that's really good. I'm conscious of time. I have one mm. little question before we go to some Q and A. Is there any kind of uh, last thoughts or cautions towards this side of thing? Because I know I guess sometimes the temptation is to go or f- not for everyone, but some people, it's kind of like, this is very real. I want to test this out. Or yeah, like, yeah. I want to go play with like some random things and see what happens. But I know yeah. you've told me in the past that it's kind of a, sometimes you need to know what you're up against. And um, if you don't, it can be pretty harmful. Yeah. Uh, I think of the verse, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And mm. that's a, a really important thing to, to keep in mind. Yeah. Um, in, regards to, in regards to spiritual warfare, uh, really the greatest spiritual warfare that we can do is uh, do what Jesus told us to do and uh, go make disciples mm. of, of uh, the nations. Every time 
someone else comes into the kingdom, that's one less person who's in the um, under the under the uh, the enemy. Yeah. And uh, so I think he will do anything to stop the church. Yeah. Um, uh, fulfilling that that purpose. Yeah. Um, I, I don't. I don't. I really don't think. Um, uh, when I deal with stuff like that here, I, I generally not interested in speaking to spirits or yeah, yeah. anything like that. Yep. Um, and uh, generally, you can get rid of the stuff which they're holding on to, mm-hmm. uh, which is stuff in people's lives um, that's in, in alignment with the God of this world, yep. uh, in, in the, the enemy. And if you get rid of the stuff that they're hanging on to, yep. um, and uh, the person yep. uh, comes back under the um, submission to, to God and his ways, uh, normally that's... I guess that's what what comes to mind is why repentance, I guess, is yeah. quite um, quite key. You're actually turning away from something and mm. you're turning to something. You're consciously doing that, yeah. um, like you were saying before. Thank you, Andrew. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate you uh, telling some of your story. Um, yeah. I know um, it's a big part of your life, and uh, and we talk about it a bit. So I really appreciate that you've uh, opened up to us and those who are watching online and. Um, I know this is a little bit of a different podcast for those of you who are watching now and, and, and into the future, but I thought it was a really important thing to start wrestling with wherever you sit on this. Um, but for those of you watching, if you found this helpful, uh, then feel free to share it around, subscribe, whatever you do. Um, we're not here to be famous or whatever. We're just here to help as many people as we can with the content that we do. So we're going to head on over. Uh, we're going to have a five-minute break, everyone, for those of you who are here or are streaming online. And then we're going to have some Q&A just for a little bit of time. So make sure you get your questions in. Make sure you vote for the questions that you want. And we'll be back soon. Feel free to go, obviously, to the bathroom and do whatever you need to do. Cool. Have fun. <laughs>